Welcome to Coaching Leaders, the podcast that is dedicated to helping managers become better coaches. Today's episode is powered by One Minute Feedback. If you face challenges with receiving feedback that is helpful and encouraging, then you will want to try One Minute Feedback. One Minute Feedback's cloud-based feedback survey helps you get supportive feedback from your colleagues and external partners. The feedback you receive using One Minute Feedback is unique in that it helps you understand what you should keep doing and highlight areas of your courage to grow. I'm Raf, the host of Coaching Leaders Podcast, and in today's episode, I'm going to discuss a topic that few years ago would be strange to me because the culture that I was growing in, the topic of being happy in the workplace wasn't really existing. I was raised in being professional, and I think a lot of people, a lot of us are in a very similar position. Today's are different times, and I believe we all want to be part of a happy and engaging environment. Turns out... Claudia is the very first happiness coach that I came across. And I thought, I need to have that conversation because we all need to learn how to create and develop this happy and engaging environments. It's quite a, it's kind of expected from us, right, Claudia, that we do that as a manager, but very little support. At least it's my experience from my management career. What's, how did you end up? I'm really curious. How did you end up in <laughs> coaching managers, how to create happy and engaging environments well it's you're right happiness for many people it's connected with this fluffy concept fun something good to have rather than actually a very solid metric that can predict the productivity innovation and the growth of the business Mm-hmm. Um, so my background is I'm a work psychologist and I always love data and bring, I loved bringing science into the mm-hmm. workplace. And I also work as a learning and development specialist. So I would be responsible for inputting different programs for people to learn mm-hmm. um, and advance within the workplace. And at some point, really, it became very clear for me that to embed a successful learning culture, we do need to start with people well-being and happiness mm-hmm. because you can have the most amazing tools there, the most amazing L&D programs, but if your employees are not satisfied in the workplace, you will struggle to utilize them. Mm-hmm. Hence, my access, uh, hence my kind of um, focus on happiness. And also I'm a co-host um, of a podcast called And Happiness, which is all about looking into science of happiness in the workplace in personal life. So I'm kind of fusing the two approaches together. You know what? First of all, I need to say thank you for um, introducing you. So I was so excited about this topic and, and curious to learn. I actually thought I skipped the part to introducing you, who you really are and what you're doing. So thank you very much for doing so. Now, you've mentioned something that to me sounds contradictory in the first place. We're talking about metrics, we're talking about science, and we're talking about happiness and laughter. Could you break it down a little bit further? How those two really merge? Because it might be confusing for some of our uh, listeners right now. How do we merge science and metrics and numbers and figures possibly into something that is very much a feeling, happiness? Okay, sure. So first of all, happiness, um, it's a very general concept that uh, really 
covers various emotions from being very curious um, to being joyful when it comes to connecting with other people. So it's a quite broad concept. Now, researchers specifically look of what does it specifically mean to be happy in the workplace and they identified various drivers and we'll come back to that when mm -hmm. it comes to kind of practical implications. Um, and then they started to actually using it as a link, as a metric, as I said, to predict performance mm -hmm. of employees. So there is just absolutely masses of extensive research done, which shows that if you are in positive emotions when you are working, mm -hmm. you are 20, precisely 28 percent more productive than the people who are in neutral or negative mood. Okay. You are much better uh, equipped to deal with adversity. Therefore, uh, the stress levels in the organization will go by 55 percent. Mm -hmm. uh, you are three times more likely to be coming up with ideas and be innovative. You are two times more likely to stay in the business, 40% more likely to have a promotion and the business grow. When it comes to business growth, happiness, happiness measures predict 3% higher share price. Wow. Incredible. Absolutely. So you can put numbers on happiness. It's not a fluffy concept. It can be break down in a very specific measurable uh, elements mm -hmm. and they predict employee behavior and those benefits to the business. So my next question to that would be why we are so insisting into the concept and the ethos of being professional. And like I've mentioned, that's how I was raised. I'm, I'm Polish and it's, and I'm guessing it's almost all over the world. I believe that we are being told to act professionally, to be professional. Now, I spoke mm -hmm. a lot with my previous guests about being human in the workplace, not specifically about happiness itself. So while we are so, so much into being professional, when what you just mentioned shows very clearly that we have to take tangible steps into making sure that our working environment is a happy environment. Mm. Well, I think we got it. I think it's just conventional wisdom of having it a little bit backwards. I mean, all our life we've been told that we are, uh, when we'll be successful, you know, when you reach certain grades, then when you get certain job, when you get certain salary level, then you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. But, the, the, and that's the conventional wisdom that we've been told for so, so many years, I think from the moment we're small. Um, and then, but actually, you're right. The research tells us completely opposite. It's mm -hmm. if we're happy, we have higher chances of being more successful. Um, and that's, for me, absolutely fascinating. And another aspect to add to your question is that we all suffer from happiness paradox. Okay. And that phenomenon is, again, has been researched so in-depth by various researchers from neuroscience to management studies. And the idea is that, look, at the end of the day, we want be we want to be happy. That's Absolutely. what we want. Um, but and we go through life and we you know we go from opportunity to opportunity because we want to sustain that happiness. We want we want things that bring us that happiness. But actually, what we forget to do is concentrate on the happiness in the first place. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so we fo- we forget to concentrate on, for instance, habits and practices and routines that can bring us happiness. We right. forget to actually reflect and coach our team members of what does ma- what what do the what is it that makes us happy? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but. So it's it that it the, so the idea of happiness paradox is that we're chasing after all those means that's supposed to bring us happiness, but what we need to start doing is looking at at our happiness first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's start the journey. Let's say I'm back into the management. I'm newly promoted manager, and I've got all these great ideas and vision for myself. And of course, I have to start with setting my own mood and happiness. So you've mentioned it. We have to look at our own happiness and mm-hmm. creating those habits. So let's just uh, let's just pretend for next 20 minutes or so, half an hour, that you're coaching me and I'm entering this world of management. How do I set up the environment around myself and what habits I have to create in order to step into that happy mood almost every single day? For us, in terms of managing our mental health, so mm-hmm. obviously we all have mental health and it goes up and down. It's developing, as I said, very specific habits that help us to sustain po- positive mental health, okay? So because, that's because 45% roughly of our actions daily is habitual. Mm-hmm. So we don't yeah. even consciously think about it. So that's a very, for me personally, that's a very scary high number <laughs> of yeah. kind of things happening unconsciously in my brain. So there are certain very, um, you know, very positive habits that we can develop, such as meditation, mm-hmm. such as mindfulness, gratitude journal, which help us to rewire our brain to concentrate on positive in the environment. So mm-hmm. let's let's take gratitude. That is a very powerful emotion right. that has actually power to change our brain on a structural level. So we are quicker at spotting positive and happy moments in our life than mm-hmm. the negative ones. So I think those, and again, we all would need different things. Like some people would say, look, meditation is not, not for me. That's fine. That's absolutely great. It's just one of the examples of what we could do. What's mm-hmm. most important is reflecting or thinking, okay, how I can help myself to be happy and bring that happy mindset to the workplace and having that first kind of reflection point and moment. It is very much being deliberate about it because you've you've mentioned quite rightly, meditation is not for everyone. I tried it for a while and I realized it's not something that I really enjoy. But to be honest with you, it's not something that I feel like I need because I've done something different. And that means I'm wiring my brain every single day to focus on the positive side. And that doesn't mean I just wear a pink, rose pink glasses all the time. It means that I'm wiring myself to balance this negativity bias that we all have, right? You've mentioned, you know, you have to train yourself to look for the positive one. Why? Because negativity bias says we are more likely to spot the negative aspects of our life and experiences and pay more attention to it because from survival perspective, it's something that's, it's, we are risking our own health and life. And so what I do on a daily basis, what was for me is focus constantly how I communicate with myself that is focused on spotting, recognizing, and then viewing a perspective from the, the um, things from the positive perspective. That was for me. Meditation is not, like you mentioned, it's just one of the tools that we can all apply and put in place. 
because it works differently for different people absolutely yeah. and, and i agree and for instance my uh my co-host of and happiness podcast she is very much into exercise i'm not very sporty that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily sets my brain um into that level because for me any exercise is very very much about pain so because <laughs> i'm not very fit um so it's it's you know but that's what brings her that mind kind of mindfulness level yeah. um she would say meditation doesn't work for her but the exercise absolutely is what helps her with that so it, it there is lots of techniques from journaling to um as we already mentioned exercising that you can do but it's finding out something that works for you um, yeah. to help you to put the brain in that state now once you come to your workplace and there is all these things happening and you have huge workload uh, massive deadlines <laughs> uh, people on your doorstep constantly asking you different questions phone call for, uh, after the phone call when how do you manage happiness it seems mm-hmm. to be on the bottom of your list yeah but I think um, there, I mean, but there are three specific elements. Okay. So again, this comes from work by Daniel Pink Drive. Three yeah, specific. Yes. One of my favorites as well. Three specific elements that you can look every day at as a manager to ensure that happy workplace. So one, it's about autonomy. Two, mm-hmm. it's mastery and three is purpose. So mm-hmm. in terms of autonomy is giving freedom to your employees to choose direction of their work. Mm-hmm. And I think nowadays in, uh, in the current challenging time we are, times we are in, that's even more important because that means that people concentrate on something that is relevant, even though everything else around us is changing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and also... N- and again, your entire show is about that. Is not managing people, is coaching them so yeah. that the decision making can move to the front line. And that's mm-hmm. what you want, really, as a successful manager. At least I believe that, um, because you're supposed to be there to be asking the right decisions. Uh, sorry, asking the right questions, but for mm-hmm. them to go in and explain the right decision. And autonomy, freedom in the workplace is one of the elements that boosts people's perf- performance and job satisfaction. So mm-hmm. if you learn to give your uh, teams more autonomy, that yep. will raise their level of happiness. The second one, so mastery, is playing to people's strengths. So we need to delegate as managers all the time. It's about understanding people's skill sets very well. And if you, if you're not sure about that, there is so many free different tools that you can introduce in your team to look at their skill sets and their mm-hmm. strengths level. And it is then creating opportunities for them to be applying those strengths. And again, that's because we are 18 times more engaged and effective when we use our strengths. Okay, so Mm -hmm. think about how you delegate things, why you're delegating uh, certain tasks to certain people, how you can be creating opportunities for them to challenge people so they're learning, right? Because we need to to be stimulating people all the time so they engage in what they do, but Mm -hmm. also they are you are playing to their strengths and value their strengths, recognize them. Each conversation and a meeting you have with your direct reports, leave them feeling good about themselves. Again, 
Because if we have, if we are in a positive mood, remember we are 28% more productive. So spread that positive mood. And the final one is the purpose. And this is a big skill, I believe, to learn for, for, by, uh, by managers. This is all about how do you link even the most mundane operational tasks that people doing daily to the overall purpose of the organization? Because people need to understand the bigger why. Mm-hmm. to really feel happy and engaged. And again, there is an entire concept called uh, job crafting introduced by Dr. Amy Wrześniewski, which is all about how you can be reminding your team every day what are they doing and how is that in line with their bigger purpose. So those are, I think, very three specific things that we can do as managers that almost like adopting a happy management style, if you like, by incorporating mm-hmm. those three elements. So it's it doesn't feel that, okay, I need to now force happiness on my team. It, it yeah. shouldn't be like this. It's more about this is the way I lead and I incorporate certain drivers, which means that the happiness will, in the background, will start going up. That's what we want. So there is a pattern emerging here, and I think it goes against to what the first impression is when we talk about happiness in the workplace, that it's not joking around. Well, yes, it's a part, the humor is an absolute part of it. We haven't discussed that at all yet. It taps into something completely different, a lot more related to what we believe our job is as a manager and our job is as a leader and, and being even professional, meaning delivering results for our for our company, for our brand, for our people, which links it all together. and. What I hear from you is that it's all linked to how we lead and manage people rather than just only focusing or creating an environment where there is, you know, jokes around and, and there is lots of laughter and banter. I'm guessing that's also part of part of that. But it goes against that sort of first impression like, well, I'm not the most, so for instance, myself, I'm not the most extroverted person, a bit more introverted if I'm honest with you in, in a social environment. but what you are telling me right now, it plays to my strength because I love coaching people. And so all of a mm-hmm. sudden, what you're telling me is I can actually create a happy and engaging environment, not necessarily by being extroverted, but I actually tapping into people's strength, creating and giving them the purpose, the autonomy. Those three things are really important. The mastery, which is, again, all about coaching leadership. And then we have this engaging and happy environment, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, it's happiness. It's not only about having fun and having a banter. That's only one side of happiness. That mm-hmm. is more happiness that we need for social connection. Okay. Um, sure. and we want to belong. So we engage in that. That's, that's also, that's also very important. As you said, that creates positive environment in the workplace and it, creates it allows people to bond and have this sense of belonging but there is also there are also happiness it's also about other positive emotions um such as as i already mentioned being curious about something and going Mm -hmm. and exploring it uh being content of how do we currently working and having uh, this uh, finding positive, positive events and concentrating on them, being grateful, being kind to my colleagues. So it's not all about maybe yeah, joking around and therefore wasting time. It's not, it's not about that at all. You mentioned several times curiosity already, and I want to explore that a little bit further. Because I believe curiosity is hugely important. We all were curious as a kids, like 
incredibly curious and we slowly losing it as we move into the adulthood. How do we reignite that curiosity in the workplace, in your opinion? And what can we do? What can managers do to foster more curiosity in a work environment? Um, I think, again, this starts with, with, with truly embedding a learning culture mm-hmm. and on that operational level. So in my practice, obviously, people say, well, another training program, I don't want to do this, um, I don't want to learn this. It's not about building another program for people to learn something or to then be potentially curious about something. It's about giving people and as a manager, creating this environment in which people are happy to ask questions and their Mm -hmm. questions are taken seriously. Um, Having certain processes in which people can innovate. Now, what's the problem with curiosity innovation? The the dark side of it is that people try something, they fail, they make a mistake and they will get told off. So Mm -hmm. again, how are you managing those moments when the mistakes have been made in the team? Is it a blame you made mistake, never, ever, ever try something new again, because if yes, that's killing people's curiosity to try new things mm-hmm. and see what happens. It's about fostering environment in which people know that if they try something new, um, even if it doesn't go their way, if they take responsibility for that, you'll be there mm-hmm. to support them and to help them to fix it and learn from it. Uh, and I think also being a role model. <laughs> Absolutely. If, through the learning culture, like, are you sending some stimulating, interesting information to your team? Are you having those different conversations? Are you having curiosity sessions for half an hour in your lunch breaks when you can discuss quite new, interesting topics? This is how we've, you know, this is how it starts. It always starts with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think to foster curiosity is to give people nudges to be curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also allowing for it to happen, even maybe at times people introduce idea which doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So I'm guessing one of the ways in which managers can do that, especially the, the most senior one, they seem like they have the idea for the business and they just go straight into execution. Hey, I have this idea, let's just do it. Maybe the way to do so and something that I've learned from, from my mentor, Kieran, is that you, even though you have the idea, you know what you want to do and you know how it works and what won't work, you're not necessarily communicating it. You just ask a conversation, ask for opinion and see where people will take it and guide that conversation rather than just saying, I have this idea, I have this opinion, so we're going to go and execute. You just reverse it and you stimulate this, this curious conversations and asking for opinions. Hey, I'm going to look into improve X and Y, what we should do. Or in hospitality, you know, my life in hospitality could be, hey, I just, you know what? I think the bar layout doesn't work. How can we make it better? Even though I have vision in my mind already, how can we make it better? You tell me, not myself. And then we'll just execute it your way. I'm guessing that's one of the ways in which we can start fostering curiosity in workplace, right? Absolutely. Asking the questions and don't acting, I think... I, I struggled for some time, I must admit, that as a manager, we feel, okay, I'm a manager. I have to have all the answers. And if yes. someone <laughs> is there asking me, I need to straight away solve all the problems. And mm-hmm. I think, and, and no, that's not exact. That's not, I believe that's not the manager role. We as a managers are there to support people and to write the and ask the right questions so they can go and do it. And actually, probably they will do it better than us because we're paying them for certain 
expertise and skills. We brought them to the business because of the value they provide. So let's capitalize on that value rather than me putting my my kind of expertise on, on, on the top. So I think definitely asking the right questions is it starts always with that being that coaching having that uh, kind of coaching mindset but i think sometimes it is hard especially i feel when you we have someone coming and wanting our support and they very much in that ranting stage and a kind of problem stage and this doesn't work and that this person done this and there's lots of blame and lots of emotions and i think in situations like that it's very important to you know, there are two ways we can we can deal with that. We need to move them definitely from that ranting mindset mm-hmm. um, because they they clearly in a kind of the victim mindset and they you know something happened. They're very upset about that. How we can move them away from that so we help them to accept of what has just happened and potentially then move on. Or we can move them into a man- mindset that they can fix it and they can impact that situation. Mm-hmm. And we can start having the conversation about the solutions. But it's just so I know it's so tricky when we have someone going yeah. through their emotional kind of uh, breakdown sometimes, but how we can help them to reach that more thriving mindset, if you like. Yeah. So yeah, the idea, I mean, you've mentioned earlier on about the autonomy and so having those conversations and allowing your employees to execute and come up with it is just taps right into that sort of autonomy category, if you will. There's one thing that I have learned from my own process and experience as a manager. It, it's something that I'm guessing it's, it's, it's obsession of mine. I like to look into really depth <laughs> and details, how I communicate, because I think it all makes makes an impact i've learned as an as an athlete that how i communicate with myself with small words and changes make the huge impact and at some point i've realized that we have this habit in the workplace of replying to the things with i know so if mm. an employee brings the the, the issue that you're already aware of you just, yeah i know yes i know about that i thought about it and then you've mentioned earlier about killing that curiosity and stopping <laughs> people from coming in if we have developed this habit of replying to everything that i know then eventually people will start assuming well i'm not going to mention anything to Raf because he knows already anyway, which only escalates the perception of exactly what you've mentioned is that people think that managers have all those answers and managers then believe they should have all those answers. We shouldn't. And so my my advice to all of you employees and managers, no managers shouldn't have all the answers, don't have all the answers, and we shouldn't act. And I will second your opinion, Claudia, we shouldn't act like we have all those answers because we Mm -hmm. don't. Small trick for tip for you guys is to pay attention if you are replying with, I know because that will kill slowly that curiosity and people will just stop coming with it. Because what essentially is happening, in my opinion, is that if I bring the idea and you say, hey, I know about it, is that I'm diminishing your social stages now because I'm thinking of you lesser. I, mm. I'm above you. I'm the boss here. I know already. Why are you bringing it to me? You know, that sort of relationship mm. here. And we don't want to be in that position. So mm. what's the safest way to avoid it? I'll just shut up. I won't say anything. Right? <laughs> Yeah. And and you're right, this I know aspect also will not encourage the mastery. We want to. We want to play to people's strengths. And people's mm-hmm. strengths won't shine if we will be in a position, oh, I know, I know it and I know better than you because I'm in a managerial position and you're not. Mm-hmm. As I said, we're bringing employees because of the skill sets, the value they bring to the business. So that's that's the strengths we want to really capture in and capitalize on. Sure. So I'm going to just flip the coin a little bit here because from the interview that I have with you already, and I had like one conversation beforehand as well, there's something that I keep on hearing from you. And this is my 
here I'm just saying as a, as I feel like as a potential your manager and you've mentioned playing to your strength numbers are important to you am i right yes absolutely because because i think if we don't have numbers in a business environment we won't be taken seriously so mm-hmm. and uh, i've learned that many times in a very in the beginning of my career as an lnd practitioner i had that in a very uh, kind of you know, hard way when I would go as a very junior, excited L&D manager to do something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the question would be, how much does it cost and what value does it bring? And yes, you know the cost, but you don't know what value does it bring. It just won't get live. It, it won't yeah. get executed within the business. So I think mm-hmm. if we don't have business, if you don't have numbers, we're not taking seriously. So mm-hmm. definitely... Um, and especially when it comes to happiness, if you go yeah. and say, hey, look, you need to now invest in your employees' happiness, people will be like, yeah, great. We have a crisis here going mm-hmm. on. What are you talking about? This is not on the agenda. If you bring numbers about, product, as I already mentioned, around productivity, innovation, share value, etc., then ooh, people start listening. Plus, mm-hmm. you cannot argue with numbers, right? Sure. So... Let's just uh, carry on uh, the, the role play, if you will. So I can, can hear how numbers are important to you. Now, to all my listeners, I understand numbers. And as a manager, I share your, your opinion. But I don't like numbers, if I'm honest with you, Claudia. And now, imagine we are both in one environment together and we have a manager. What you, wanted, what you want to do is to engage both of us in different ways. The way I would engage Claudia personally, if, if I was her manager, would be very much through those numbers. So if I would create an, a challenge for her, or if I present a task, or if I wanted to come up her with some solutions, I would very much use the language that Claudia is using, which is a lot of our numbers. And I would just go into it because, you know, you mentioned about the purpose and who we are as a wife. That's important to you. If you wanted to engage me in the same way that you would with Claudia through numbers, you would lose me very quickly. I would do it because I'm professional, but that's not tapping into this whole intrinsic motivation for me. So it goes all the way back to understanding the strengths of your employees, what you've mentioned, Claudia. Understanding them will help you engage your employees differently to get the best out of them. Is my way, the way the best way? No, it isn't. It's your way, the way the best way? No, it isn't. It's different. And that's really important, I believe, to understand it, right? Yes, and I think we can link it with the purpose aspect as in mm-hmm. we employ, we have personal purpose. So I always say my personal purpose at work is to boost happiness. Right. Now, that's not everyone's purpose uh, and that's okay. Uh, but do we know our purpose? What's the most important aspect of the work? Why, why do we work? And also what's important to, the, to our teams? and individual team members. Why do Mm -hmm. they work? Why do they show up every day? Yes, it is about the paycheck. Of course, that's as well. And I, and I, and I'm not um, naive that, you know, if you're not paying your employees fairly, then yes, you will lose them. Even you have autonomy, purpose and mastery. Yes, that is, that is one of the very important factors, monetary Mm -hmm. reward, but there are other aspects that are so important of why do we work? And if you find them, as you gave this excellent example of yourself and me, you, you, numbers will not do it for you. Numbers will probably do it for me. Is really trying to tap into those purpose, mm-hmm. uh, purpose uh, motivations, if you like. And there are organizations out there that even run entire purpose workshops when people can, as employee, you can sign up to the, these workshops and discover your personal purpose. And wow. 
again, the numbers from those workshops are showing that people who know what their purpose is, they can align it with the purpose of the organization. Again, they're much more productive at work and they're much more engaged because now they have also invested their individual interest and they also now are tapping into their internal motivation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. I wish somebody did the uh, workshop with me like that to figure out my own purpose. <laughs> yeah, I had to just figure absolutely. it out for myself. But I just was, I was just listening to what makes me happy and goes back to happiness, what makes me joyful when I really feel in the zone. And, and that is actually a coaching others and seeing them grow. That's my absolute purpose and, and passion. So not, nothing can beat that for me. You know, reflected glory shines the brightest. And that's something that I really speaks to me. And, and I do everything to filter it through that thing. But I wish somebody would help me to discover that earlier on. And I wish I had more managers who would understand me on that level as well. Because let's face it, uh, I only had one who understood me very well on that intrinsic side and really was able to get the best out of me because he would present things in in the exact way how I love, how I need to get me like, bam, I'm just going to smush everything in front of me, like in a positive, as in like, I will do everything I can in the best possible way to make it happen because you just stopped into my purpose. You just gave me the needed autonomy. And you again, the mastery, it's, it's a beautiful combination actually because I could grow from the process as well. I understood what I'm learning, what I'm doing it, and I was able to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I failed, it was a lesson not being scolded and told off for because we just lost X amount of money. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I just then paid tenfolds back into my, I haven't got numbers to back it up close, yeah? <laughs> uh, but I was so loyal. I was an ambassador. I was a soldier. I was working my ass off to make sure I pay back just because Kiran was giving those three things to me every single day. And I was happy. Mm. Brilliant. So you know it from very personal experience as yeah. well. Yeah, so you you can be that success case study for us. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like I said, uh, you know, 14, 15 years, you know, more than that in working environment, only one leader who was able to do that and understood and knew how to do it. I think, I also think we all want to do it, but we don't understand how necessarily until somebody is, is going to guide us through it and help us understand. So I'm really grateful for, for having you on the show and for the work that you're doing because it's hugely, hugely important, I believe. So let's just, yeah. No, no, thank you. No, no, I just want to say thank you so much. No, that's that's very kind words, Ralph. Very kind words. <laughs> You're very welcome. So, what are the two, maybe three things that managers can, you know, finish listening to this to this episode, go back to the workplace and they start doing it? And my message to you guys is consistently. You know, I I totally understand and I feel you that you go back to your workplace and you're enthusiastic about it. You do something and there's no support around you. And you're losing that enthusiasm and you're finishing it. Let me just reinstate that for you guys. You you can create a weather, you know, from the inside. You can create your own weather and have that huge influence. You can be that ambassador. So for those who of you who want to do that, I'd love to hear from you, Claudia, those two, three things that I can do on a regular basis to create those habits of creating this happy and engaging environment. What would that be? Well, I would definitely line it up with autonomy, master and purpose. So mm-hmm. number one, uh, really give your team an autonomy, be there to support them and ask the right questions, but stop being the decision maker. Mastery, 
really spend some time thinking what is what kind of strengths your team has and each team member and direct report and how you can start capitalizing on them, how you can maybe rearrange certain tasks and projects that they're currently doing so you can really capitalize on their strengths. Mm -hmm. And then definitely purpose. What is the bigger why and how you can show your team that every work they do relates to that bigger why and have mm-hmm. a maybe a bit informal conversation about their purpose purpose yep. why do they, why do they work why do they get up every day and actually show up mm-hmm. um have a bit of fun chat why not and definitely look after your happiness you look it's always that that order you look after your happiness you then uh, st- st- and then you spread the happiness and stimulate happiness in the workplace and also be brave to have conversations about happiness in the workplace okay break down that stigma of it's fluffy it's about fun it's only about fun no 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 starts having more kind of evidence based almost conversations about um happiness and of course like if you want even more inspiration as i mentioned before i am a co-host of a podcast on happiness and we mm-hmm. have lots of tips around happiness there as well so i do encourage people to go and listen if they want a little bit more absolutely uh i, w- I was about to ask about <laughs> coaching leader like but you mentioned about your your podcast and i need to stop here and ask you some questions around your podcast because it's mm. a very interesting concept you actually no tell us what the concept is about because it's quite <laughs> unique if i'm honest with you guys so claudia what's the idea behind your podcast and uh Yeah. Uh okay so my actually so when the first wave of lockdown came back in March um, that had quite detrimental impact on my work and my personal life mm-hmm. and similarly to my co-host uh, Kitty Newman from Trapeze Media and we both were thinking like oh my god you know when the world is crumbling around us we go into the survival mode mm-hmm. which is it helps us to survive but we want to still thrive despite everything that's happening um and the podcast and happiness it's really about that it's about me and her thinking okay what makes us happy in this new reality and how we can sustain that so it's we travel through the alphabet each week we have a different concept we give each other a practical dare so every week we actually concentrate on our happiness but doing something very practical around it so it could be from writing a letter because empath- being empathetic towards someone who really you know imp- maybe mm-hmm. upset at us or it could be right to having a gratitude journal or maybe being courageous and actually going forward for a dis- for something even though we we feel scared about it etc mm-hmm. so very specific there and then when we see each other and on, on the podcast we talk how that impacted our happiness and mm-hmm. then we look at that experience in relation to science and research so what This, yeah what the kind of the data and the numbers tell us about that particular aspect <laughs> of happiness so it's a combination of our yeah. own life plus uh science if you like yeah so what's the what's this week what's the current there that you're going through guys um so we uh, this week uh, obviously we are recording in advance of what's being shown yeah, yeah. so just to kind of say that so currently we are uh experimenting with t for time and we are sp- we are analyzing how do we spend our time mm-hmm. and we need to act on three things that we always want to do but never have time for right okay 
And so um, maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of the uh, episode, but what are your three things? Oh, I'm not sure if I can release it yet, Ralph. <laughs> okay, one then, one. <laughs> Let's go with one. Well, um, you can't, you can't I... spark the curiosity and then <laughs> it's just not fair. It's not right. <laughs> Um, so one of the one of the things that I really want to do but never have time for is I do a bit of painting and I want to finish one specific painting and I just always feels like you know what I don't have time for this there's so many more important aspects of my life than currently painting this bit but mm-hmm. I'm going to finish it interesting wow very interesting concept I really like it really love it and now I'm gonna go back to the question that I meant to ask when you were talking yes. about uh, those skill sets and how can you know so we spoke about the leader that i had a pleasure to work with were you working for a leader who actually understood those three things very well and helped you be part of that environment and make it part of your daily routine in the workplace you have worked for a leader like that Yes, so I'm very lucky that I I had the chance to have a very wonderful coaching leader and I think what was very important, she, I think she had this amazing ability to really connect with people and understand mm-hmm. and very quickly. And she was very, in, like, genuinely interested in me as a person. Like, genuinely, it, was, it wasn't that she was asking the right questions because she needed to or because she was following a certain coaching model. She was just very interested in me as an individual. Mm-hmm. And what that, mean, what that meant is that, that she knew very quickly what are my strengths are. So she very quickly connected me with the project when I was able to grow and shine. Mm-hmm. And also she knew my blind spots which means that she knew what my certain limitations and weaknesses are. And she was able to support me in those moments and mm-hmm. also nudge me out of my comfort zone. If I was, if, you know, if my obstacle was my blind side, she would give me this nice friendly nudge. And because of this, I, I grew and learned and thrive like anywhere else before mm. um, because of that approach. I think she was absolutely amazing in creating that really good coaching and learning culture. Wow. I feel just, uh, wow, incredible. What a leader. Um, what's her name? Um, so uh, Dee Smith. Dee Smith, all right. Yeah. Incredible leader. Wow. All it took, all it takes is to get to know you, right? It's, mm. it's, I, and I second that, you know, I worked with, with Kieran and he took the exact same thing. He just made sure that he knows and understands who you are as a person, as a human being. And that just then helps a lot in the workplace. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. So we're about to guys wrap up. You've heard about the podcast and happiness, which I encourage you guys to check. I'll leave the links in the description down below as well and follow Claudia. It's it's incredible. It's incredible journey. It's incredible thing that, that you're doing really, really is. And something that we all need, if I'm honest with you, especially during those times right now. Yes. Maybe. Let's just uh, stop maybe before I actually wrap it up. Because times are different. Times are challenging and uh, you mentioned mm. the lockdown. Now we are heading, we are four days away from a, a lockdown 2.0, if you will. How do we create that happiness maybe? What, what, what could we do for people if you are working remotely or maybe like in a hospitality environment, which it's, it's a background that we all spent years in, we are stop working because we are closed. If you're not doing takeaways, so from Thursday, if you're not doing takeaways, you're closed for a month. What can we do to sustain that happiness and that connection with, with our employees? What would be your advice? 
Well, definitely, I think as a managers, we should not shy away to have supporting conversations with people and actually ask about their mental health and what is their current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the classic um, advice of always ask twice, because when you ask the first time, how are you? they will say they're fine. If you maybe ask a second or third time, then yes, they start opening up. So I think having those very honest conversations where your individual team members are, it's very important to make sure that you can Mm -hmm. engage and um, create that happy environment. I think it's also giving maybe people um, time to reflect on what makes them happy. I think that this... even though obviously it feels like very counterintuitive, it is a moment for us to stop and reflect a little bit mm-hmm. because we're not in the midst of that. Uh, and I think that can be very useful um, reflection time. And I also would definitely make sure that you connect people. So if you have teams that, yes, they're working uh, in the hospitality on the floor because they're dealing with deliveries, then you have another set, they're not working, that you keep bringing people together. You are that glue. So people still have that sense of belonging that they are part of that workplace. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important to do. Love it. And I would just only top it up. Rather than texting people and asking how they're doing, pick up the phone, have a conversation. Yes. Right. Yes. So from my experience, what I see um, people around me that are still in hospitality, managers often getting in touch with the employees, but they would do it through a text message. I'd say pick up the phone. It's a nice touch when your manager is texting and say, hey, how are you doing? How's things? But there is, you can take it to the absolute next level. And like you mentioned earlier, you, you said something that the, the leader that you worked for, she genuinely meant to connect with you rather than just something that she had to do because it's her job. That's the mm. difference between text messaging and and picking up the phone. The emotions are there. You can sense tone of the voice and it really takes it to that next level. So I love your advice, Claudia. I would just only add, pick up the phone, don't text. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about the human connection. And yeah, don't shy away from having that honest conversation about, pe- about people's mental health and happiness. It's Super. very important. Yeah. Where, where else my listeners can follow you? So we have a podcast and happiness. And I've connected with you on LinkedIn as well. Are there any other social medias that we can follow you and learn more from you and about you? Uh, absolutely. So also Instagram uh, at Official. You can um, find the information about the there and the kind of the tips uh, that we're generating around happiness. It's also a very mm-hmm. good place to, to und- uh, find more. And there is also a website andhappiness.co.uk where we have a write-up from each of the episodes. So if maybe you don't want to spend time listening for half an hour, um, then you can go and have a read about the key elements that we discussed. Love it. I'll drop all the links, guys, in the description uh, of my podcast episode. And wow, what a what a start of the week for me, Claudia. Thank you very much. You've made, <laughs> you've made it really easy for me. It's like I said, it's my first live stream that I'm actually doing. You've made that experience really easy for me. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. And you set the tone for my whole week because I'm not happy now. I'm going to carry that mood. And, I, and I've learned something new today as well. So thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for being generous with your time and sharing it with me and my audience. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always amazing to chat with uh, very, you know, open-minded and curious individuals. So thank you.